It's a new year, and that means it's time for some new toys. Sexy toys. Head over to homoground.com slash adammale and get 50% off of one item plus free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. Some exclusions apply, so you might as well just head over to homoground.com slash adammale to check it out and see what's there. They've got all different kinds of toys for all of your needs. So start the year off right and treat yourself to something new. Same ground, different sound. You're on homo ground. On this episode of Homo Ground, you'll be hearing an episode from the Southern Queries podcast, a podcast about LGBTQ plus stories in the South. Host Aubrey in India interviewed Rigel Gemini, an artist based in Atlanta, about life as a queer influencer. If you like this episode, be sure to check out Southern Queries. You can follow them at southernqueries.com, and you can follow them at Southern Queries on Instagram, and you can find links to everything I've talked about on this episode today at homoground.com episode 265. We hope you enjoy the music of Rigel Gemini, plus a conversation between Rigel and the host of Southern Queries podcast, Aubrey in India. Enjoy. Coffee in my cup. I want that coffee in my cup. So go ahead and hook me up. I want that coffee in my cup. I want that coffee in my cup. I need that coffee in my cup. Now come on over, fill me up. I want that coffee in my cup I got a little secret that I think you know You could stay and then we could give it a go I like it just a tad sweet and on the low Full bodied, a hotter toddy Been seeing spotty, got my vanilla syrup Pump it up, stir up, cocoa, cacao Stand in my fur up, nitro, cold brew, sleepless nights Got a little something brewing just for you Alright, alright, caffeinate Yeah, I know you wanna watch while I caffeinate Cause you know that I can take it like a champ I know I'm the man, grind it up and put it in the can I got a little plan Think about that coffee in my cup. I want that coffee in my cup. So go ahead and hook me up. I want that coffee in my cup. I want that coffee in my cup. I need that coffee in my cup. Now come on over, fill me up. I want that coffee in my cup. Dark and extra fine. I get a little hot and bothered every time. You take it there and then I push it across the line. I got no filter. Get off your kilter. Got something bitter. Got a turmeric latte. Pour it up, grande. Bold and smooth. Yeah, double shot my way. Tip it down, throw it back, serve it up. I really need your special something in my cup. What up? What up? Percolate. Take your time. I don't mind. So let's percolate. Taking yours, make it mine. What shade? Grown free trade. Rocket fuel. Got me acting like a fool. Anything to get that. I want that coffee in my cup. So go ahead and hook me up. I want that coffee in my cup. I want that coffee in my cup. I need that coffee in my cup. Now come on over, fill me up. I want that coffee in my cup. I want your coffee in my cup. I want your coffee. I want your coffee in my cup. I want your coffee, I want your coffee in my cup. I want your coffee, I want your coffee in my cup. I want that coffee, I want that coffee in my I want that coffee in my 
Calvin. Together we explore being a part of the LGBTQ community and the South. A quick note on terminology. On this show, we let guests identify in the best way they're comfortable with. Some of the terms or topics might be different, new, or uncomfortable to you. That discomfort is part of what we're exploring together. We encourage you to listen with an open heart and continue these discussions with your larger community. We encourage any meaningful and politeful feedback. Thanks, and welcome to Southern Queries. Hey, India, how are you? Hey, Aubrey, how's it going? I'm doing great. Are you having a good week? Yes, and I'm very excited for our next guest. Um, I wanted to share a little backstory because I thought it was really fun. I was uh, having breakfast with my girlfriend at the time at this really cute breakfast place in Kirkwood, Atlanta. It's very popular and you have to stand outside to get a table because the food there is so good. Um, but we, my girlfriend at the time and I, we were standing next to Rigel and Cam and they were adorable and being all lovey and we were adorable and being all lovey. That's what I'm telling myself. And there was an open table, um, and it could seat four people. And we had one of those moments where I looked over at my girlfriend, and I was like, we're gay, they're gay, we should all sit together. (laughs) So we invited them to sit with us, and we had kind of an impromptu double date. And at the time, Rigel and Cam had just bought their house, and they were celebrating having brunch. Um, so I've kept up with Rigel since then, and they blew up um, and now are a social media influencer. And I'm super pumped to have them on the show because I think they are doing some amazing things, not only um, as a you know business Apple, professional, great, yeah. yeah, but also as um, Rigel Gemini and as a couple. And I think they're very inspiring, and um, I think it's important to tell their story. That is so sweet. And that might be one of the sweetest, gayest, most extroverted stories ever. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. I have more. (laughs) That's what I love about you because that's something I would never go up to strangers and say, hey, sit with us and let's form a friendship. So I think that is so sweet. I'm excited to talk to Rigel. Well, to start out, Rigel Gemini is a musical artist, Instagrammer, YouTuber, blogger, and content creator from Atlanta, Georgia. His debut music video, I Can't, included celebrities such as Alyssa Edwards, Gia Gunn, and Arika Sato. Rigel has been featured in the Inside Influencers series with Thrive Global, recognized as an official ambassador for the LA Fashion Week, and listed as an artist to watch in Wussy Mag. He has worked with brands like Lexus, Hulu, Express, and more. His content includes advocacy for the LGBTQ plus and the queer, transgender, non-conforming communities. He also focuses on topics such as fashion, lifestyle, and travel. 
As a business professional, Rigel Cable has been recognized as the Business Insider's 35 Under 35 Rising Stars, is a regular LGBTQ plus contributor to Adweek Voices, and comments on influencer strategy with publications like Glossy. Rigel and his husband Cameron Lee live in Atlanta, Georgia with their two dogs and a cat. Welcome, Rigel, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Thank you. So before we jump in, first I want to ask, how are you doing? How are you? <laughs> um, it's a question we have to ask everyone right now because we all have so much going on. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a very strange time and a lot of compounded things going on in the world. And I feel like um, us in the queer community um, and communities of color, um, we have a lot of existential stress on our minds. So that's just part of reality. Um, personally, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm, I'm employed. I have a loving partner. We have a house. Um, so all of my bases are covered and I'm, I'm in a very privileged position in that way. Um, but I feel for my community. So it has been a really rough year emotionally, I think, for everyone. Um, but I'm doing great. And thank you for asking. <laughs> and can you tell us how you identify? And why is that identity important to you? And also, what pronouns do you use? Mm -hmm. um, I identify as queer. Um, and I use he, him, his pronouns. And my identity is important to me because um, I've, I've kind of moved away from using gay or gay male identity terms for myself. I'm like, I'm fine with them, but personally I wouldn't first describe myself that way. Um, and I use male pronouns, but I, re I use those recognizing that I have a lot of femme qualities and I've definitely been someone who transgresses gender norms my whole life. Um, but I, I kind of embrace um, that duality in myself and I want to open and broaden the term male so that it has um, more fluidity to it. So that's kind of how I think about my identity. I love that. So I've heard queer being used in a derogatory sense, um, especially in older generations. How did you stumble upon the word queer? Um, I first think I heard the term queer in college, um, and I went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire and was part of a bunch of the LGBTQ groups on campus, um, where we were kind of activists and we would discuss, um, social issues and our community and the term queer, to my knowledge, was kind of emerging quite a bit back then, um, and... And so I first heard it then and I was like, okay, it, it felt like a radical term. And I don't think at that time I was quite as radical um, with my identity, even though I was who I am today. I think I just didn't think about it quite that way. And then as um, things have evolved, um, probably um, in the last like five years, I think, or six years, I've, I've just um, felt like I want to make sure that my identity is a political statement and also something that pushes people's comfort zones. Um, so I do know the word queer makes some people uncomfortable. Um, when I'm in a 
professional setting, I've used the term and people have asked me why I use that term and what it means. Um, and I think it's a great moment to have dialogue. Um, so I love that the term sparks curiosity and, um, and definitely has that history, of course, of being a derogatory term that's been reclaimed. So um, I love that whole complexity and, and the reaction and conversation that it brings. Love that. I do the same. Love that. You moved to Atlanta from California. What made you think about Atlanta and how is it different here in the South compared to Los Angeles? Um, yeah, so my husband and I moved from California, LA to Atlanta in 2017. And we both had spent eight or nine years each um, in California at that time. We lived in San Francisco, <laughs> excuse me, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And, um, and we both, you know, had loved California, um, had a wonderful experience there. And we were really looking for a way to settle down. And California is the most expensive state in the country. And the cities there are like unbelievably pricey rents. And um, and it was really coming down to like, where did we feel like we could have a good quality of life and um, still have that sense of the LGBTQ community. Um, so we were looking for a place that was warmer. Um, so we kind of made a list and um I'm a pretty analytical person so we were like okay what are the warm places with the LGBTQ population that has culture and is like a progressive growing place um so we were looking at Atlanta and Texas and Miami and um you know different places on the southern part of the country um Arizona like we looked at different cities and Atlanta really filled every box and my cousin lived here. Um, so I had already, I had visited her once and I came back from the trip. Like I, I just kind of went around the city and checked out restaurants and cafes and just tried to get a sense of the layout and like the, the energy of the city. And I came back from that trip to LA and I was like, Cam, I really loved Atlanta you know, we had seen Atlanta captured in television, you know, from Real Housewives, but also like um, we knew the entertainment industry was moving there because with actor friends in LA, we just knew that there was a big migration happening. So it was on our radar. And I came back from that trip and I was like, you know, Cam, um, it was really amazing. I was like, maybe I'm crazy. So I need you to verify this with me and we need to go visit. And then you can tell me if you think the same, but um I think that it's like a really artistic and creative and vibrant place. And so then Cam and I planned a trip together um, and we stayed again with my cousin and then also with a friend who lived in Atlanta um, in kind of the Reynoldstown area. And they were such a great host and um, kind of took us around and took us to places like the goat farm um, and you know, the different food scenes in Atlanta. And from that moment, like Cam definitely got, and we went, actually, we also explored the nightlife, which was so cool. We went to um, some queer events. Um, I think La Choloteca was one that we went to. It was like a, it was like a, yeah, it was like an industry like space. It was just, it was kind of like a um, cool party. But anyways, we, we came back from that and Cam was like, okay, we need to move. Like, 
now. And I was like, wait, I thought we're doing this maybe in like a year or two. Like I've still got some LA years left to me. And he was like, no, we need to move like now. He's like, there's no reason to stay here. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I kind of had to wrap my head around that. Um, and then we, we like planned it out. And within like two months, um, that was in April that we visited. And then by July, we had moved to Atlanta and it really all just grew from there. Like we've had no regrets of the move. Um, and it's been everything that we wanted in terms of community and creativity and progress and growth and, you know, new things happening all the time and new places to go and new things to see, you know, very um, modern and progressive place. Um, and it's just so much less chaotic and stressful than life in like LA or New York from my experience, both places I've lived um, had been. So I just, in terms of the South and like what it's like being in the South, um, there's, there's so much, so much of a queer community in the South. And I feel like coming from places like LA and New York, that's something people don't necessarily realize there. Um, and when, I, when we were moving to Atlanta, people were like, why are you doing that? And people actually asked like, is everything okay? And I was like, yes, you just don't realize this is a great place. Um, you should come visit. Um, so it's been really interesting because I, I never thought I would live in Atlanta. Um, I didn't know much about it. And I'm from the North. I lived in California. Um, it just never was even in my um, list of possibilities. And um, But it's being queer in the South, I think like Atlanta's a bubble and a haven and a progressive place. So we love it here. It, it is very different to be in a place with such a deeply conservative, um, you know, voter base just outside the city, like driving into the country and seeing how many Trump signs there are, or having a governor who is constantly fighting against our community or the communities that we are fighting with, like communities of color and immigrants. Um, and it's, it's, it's a different experience because you definitely can't take anything for granted in the South. And obviously as a country, apparently we can't take anything for granted in general, like um, proven by our president, but sure. um, yeah, but California, you just have like a level of comfort and consistency. And I think in the South, a lot of that is in question. Um, but the main thing for us is that like the, the quality of life and community is so strong that, you know, it's, it really is a wonderful place. That was such a beautiful testament to why Atlanta is so great. I really <laughs> resonated with everything that you said. Um, so, Rigel, something that I thought was really interesting in that whole segment, you said you were very analytical. So um, I want to learn a little bit more, but I know that by day you're a director of SEO and analytics at a digital marketing firm. And by night, I know you're an online influencer and a music artist. That is a very tech-driven life for someone who like grew up, grew up off the grid. Tell me more. What, what did your parents think about your different careers? You know, I want to know more. Yeah, that's a great question. Because um, I've talked to my parents a lot about like my journey. Um, and I'm glad to talk about my parents, actually, because they're such a big part of who I am. Um, so I did grow up off the grid. I grew up in a solar and windmill powered house. Um, and, and my parents are 
um, very progressive and liberal. I say that they're hippies. They say <laughs> we're not hippies. So <laughs> I will say that they're hippies so that you can understand a bit of their mentality, but they're very proud of their, you know, hard work ethic and um, everything they've done. Like my dad created our, our homestead in New Hampshire and it's totally self-sufficient. Um, you know, it has its own water, its own garden and solar power that powers the house. And growing up, it was a lot less um, advanced than it is now. Um, they've built it up over the years. It's, it's expensive to build that type of lifestyle. But um, when I was a kid, like if it wasn't sunny out, um, I had, you know, I couldn't use the microwave or watch the color television. <laughs> um, so it was very different, um, rustic type of lifestyle. And, but I think like, it's very different than if we were living that way because it was a religious conservatism or something like that. So it's a, it was a, it was a rustic life, but still very open and progressive. And my parents encouraged and allowed me to be fully who I am from a very young age. Um, and that's been one of the biggest forming factors of my life is that um, I've never felt, and I'm so privileged and fortunate that I was born to them, um, but I've never, I've never felt that pressure to, um, to change who I am or to restrict myself. Um, like as a kid, I wanted to be a mermaid and I was a witch for Halloween and I like would play dress up and with my girlfriends and we would have like sock boobs and walk around the house and stuff. And that was just, um, my parents never looked at me with a disproving look. And, um, you know, I grew up in a community that was very progressive. Their friends were all progressive. So when we had play dates and I just feel like I was very protected, um, which, which just shows me like, for me, I, I really, um, I know that most people's experience isn't like that. And I just know how much of a, how much of a pain that can be um, and a burden. Um, so, so in terms of lifestyle, how did I end up where I am? Um, my dad, um, my dad, his career was a computer programmer. Um, and even though we were rustic, my parents have always been technophiles and embraced technology. So it's an interesting combination. Like they weren't against, electricity because um, they didn't like mo moder modernity or like um, technology. It was just a lifestyle choice that they wanted their footprint on the earth to be very small. Um, but technology can be a green, um, a green thing. You know, it doesn't have to use a lot of energy. We always had laptops instead of desktop computers for most of the time because they were low power and internet was rough in rural area. We had, you know, dial up and even to this day, they, they don't have um, like super fast internet there. Um, but anyways, technology was always embraced. And my dad is a computer um, scientist and, you know, his brain is like engineering math. So I grew up with that perspective. And then my mom is a social activist and she, um, her career was in the hospital um, healthcare system as a lab technologist and a medical technologist. And so I think I had two very, and my dad's very creative. He built our house with his two hands and it's a circular house with like a glass roof and it's a beautiful creation. So my dad's also very creative. So I think I just grew up with two very left brain and right brain people. Um, and going into life, um, I found a career path that allowed me to be 
both as well. Like I do analytics and SEO, um, which are left brain type skills, but in a creative space, um, cause we're working in marketing, we're working with brands. So, um, and then my nightlife, um, music and influencer, you know, I just, I think that's also like my Gemini nature. I love to have multiple facets and I, I don't like to be limited by one facet. So I've just really tried to grow a duality in my own life of like, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this too. Um, and it's, it's been fulfilling for me to feel like um, I have multiple paths. Um, but yeah, it's a mix of many different, many different things. And um, it's definitely been influenced by my parents. Um, and I think the only other thing I'll add is like, I've, I've gone into a lifestyle that's much more, um, you know, city and um, social and events and, you know, it, a much more um, glamorous type world than where, where my parents, um, the world that my parents have created for themselves. So that has been a very different path in life. And I've had some really interesting conversations with my parents about it. Like, what do you think about me like being glamorous and traveling around <laughs> and stuff? And, um, and, you know, they're just so wonderful because they just said, you know, do whatever you love in life. That's all we've ever wanted. And that's why we oh. set you up and encouraged you your whole life is because we did what we want to do. And we know you have values from what we taught you and we want you to do what you want to do. So it really did come full circle and um, I'm really blessed that way oh that's Aww. beautiful that's so the perfect parent answer you know, <laughs> know. <laughs> and you know hearing you talk about your parents it makes me understand your story a little bit more in terms of the expressiveness the creativeness I mean you're a queer influencer and I think that's something interesting because I don't know if we would have had the term queer influencer 10 or 15 years ago um, and you use your platform in like so many different ways. There's branding, there is, um, there's the artistic work that you and Cameron do, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, and just your, your platform seems to be very diverse. Uh, how did Rigel Gemini develop? And then how do you use it now for activism and awareness work? Yeah, so um, Rigel Gemini, um, I came up, my husband and I came up with that name. You'll, it, you'll find with a lot of my pursuits and creativity, um, my husband, Cameron has been a really, um, core voice, um, and given me a lot of the ideas that I've had. So it's, it's been as much my own journey as, you know, my husband's creative ideas coming to life. So, Back when I lived in Los Angeles um, in 2015, um, I was looking for kind of a new hobby or path um, to explore. And the funny part that um, I've quoted is my husband was like, you need a hobby besides shopping online and going to brunch. It's <laughs> like, okay, true. And I don't see the like, problem with those things. I'm, I'm offended. I'm offended and I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't stop doing either of those but I did I did agree I needed something fulfilling to focus and Cam knows that I love to express myself and speak out and all of that so he was like 
have you thought about doing blogging? My friends had suggested it too. They'd be like, you, you'd be a good YouTuber. And I had never explored that. Um, so in 2015 or so, I really started diving into the world of social media and Instagram. And I created my blog, RigelGemini.com. Um, and the rest is history there. But um, as far as the name, um, I, my name's Rigel and I'm a Gemini. And as far as like something that describes me, I think I really embodied the Gemini zodiac sign um, in terms of who I am and my self-expressiveness and communication. My birthday is the first day of Gemini. My husband, Cameron, is also a Gemini. Um, we're born two days apart in different years, but um, we're both like very strong Geminis. Um, so it really fit as a self-descriptor. And I, I love that the sign has duality because I think it applies to my life in so many aspects. Um, in terms of gender, in terms of um, expression and interests and creativity versus analytical mind, which is what we talked about. Like, I just feel like that descriptor is very accurate. And um, I found out only this year um, in my own astrology, not only am I the first day of Gemini, but um, the star Rigel is actually always in Gemini, it's a fixed star. So astrologically, I didn't even know this until this year, but when I looked at the stars wow. and how they align with the zodiac symbols, Rigel, my name, which is a star, is always aligned with Gemini. So that kind of blew my mind. I was like, I had no idea there was even that symbolism. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. It's almost yeah. as if the universe has willed you into existence, I swear, that's amazing. <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I was really shocked by that combination. So there's definitely like a cosmic meaning behind the name and it's become my brand. And as far as the platform, like I feel really um, obligated and that it's my duty and joy to try to use my voice in any way that I can to support our greater community and to fight for people who, um, you know, are part of this struggle and have their own struggles in, in the world and in the U.S.
Hi there, it's Mo. And Chip. And Mikey. And we're the hosts of the Deep Dark Truth Podcast. An allegedly hilarious podcast that dives into your favorite conspiracies, mysteries, and bizarre true crimes. It's like Reddit for your ears. Wait, what's Reddit? We investigate cases like proven conspiracies, rituals, and the cryptid dating scene. Because local cryptids want to meet you. Call me Bigfoot. Tip line 313-355-3411. Listeners can also submit their own stories and might find themselves featured on future episodes. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast you're listening to right now. And keep searching for the deep, deep dark, dark truth. truth. Ugh, I hate when you do that. Uh, what type of music do you make? And like, what's your goals? Like, what what are your dreams as far as a music career? Um, yeah, so music is a totally new thing for me in the Rigel Gemini sphere. Um, growing up, I have been um, always connected to music. Like, I grew up doing musical theater. I actually had a synthesizer when I was a kid. And on those laptops I mentioned, I had sound editing software and I was mixing stuff when I was like in fourth grade and sixth grade and that was a hobby of mine um and I made cds and I made songs and I'd record myself and um had some drum machines and stuff and so I did have that early in life and it's funny I feel like a lot of my life now I don't know if this is the pattern in your 30s but I feel like I'm pursuing things from when I was eight years old and these dreams that I had then that I thought were left behind and in the past, I'm going back and like re reigniting them. It's in, so it's really kind of, what is that? It's your Saturn return. It's a logical thing. When you turn 30, your Saturn returns back into your sphere and you revisit things that might've been lost dreams as a child. Oh my God. Well, I'm going to Google later. Totally. I, okay. I'm now going to like go down a Wikipedia wormhole after this of yeah. learning all about that because that's totally what's happening. Um, so like my music, again, it's like something I'm revisiting and I started it as really just like a fun project where I was like, I want to do a song. I can do this. Um, I, I love music. I've been keeping like a playlist of top songs that I update every week for like five or six years, um, in Spotify. And so, yeah, so it's been like, music is something I absolutely love. I love to dance and I love nightlife because the music and like the immersive music experience. Um, and so I just knew it was something I wanted to try. Um, I had no idea that it would become my new big passion. Um, it's been so fulfilling. And as far as my aspirations, I think like one of the things that is important is just that it's fun and that I enjoy it. It has been so transformative and I really just want to keep exploring and trying new things. And when the pandemic's over, I'm really looking forward to also performing live and trying out audiences and clubs and performing with friends. And that is something I've not been able to do. And I'm going to just wait until the right time. But that's a whole other journey that I'm 
I know will happen. It's going to be so good because I've <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed watching your evolution of music. I've been watching all your releases, so and I love them all. Um, one that really caught my attention was your YouTube um, single, or I don't know if we call it YouTube single, your single, I Can't. Um, I know that YouTube removed the video uh, because there was it, it was targeted as a homophobic attack. Um, has YouTube ever responded to your appeal? Um, what is there a different version? Like what happened there? Because I loved yeah. that video and I thought it was amazing, and I was both sad and horrified that that happened. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really upsetting. Um, it was my first single and music video and um I had put a month of work and so much of my financial resources into it and working with really amazing talent like Alyssa Edwards and Gia Gunn and Arika Sato and um Beehawk Snipes from Pose and just people I respect and we had created this a fun and amazing video. And I think it was one of the first like cast ensemble virtual music videos to be yeah. released during that time. And it was just, and that was Cam's idea, of course. Um, <laughs> so he again came with an amazing idea. Um, but yeah, so like the video launched and then I think a day or two, maybe up to a week later, I got this notice that the video was being considered for removal because of being reported um and it was really upsetting um I um I fought really hard I had lawyers involved I had there's amazing um there's an amazing organization called New Media Rights um and I also hired a lawyer named Ted Nguyen who specializes in like creative influencers and they helped me write a letter and contact YouTube and New Media Rights actually um, does this type of work pro bono because they're a nonprofit and they're lawyers who take on cases um, in their spare time to support creatives. So if you're an artist and you're having problems with new media like social media and um, and just any sort of issues with your creativity that are limiting you from being successful, that's an amazing organization. So the lawyers took it on, but you know, basically during quarantine, YouTube's review process and um, content, like um, content and guideline process was kind of broken because they didn't have enough staffing to, to manage their review process properly. So the video was removed a month after I got that first notice and I was so upset. Um, and I did re-upload it and do a re-release and then YouTube did contact me and say, basically, we're sorry, we agree with you, it shouldn't have been taken down, and they reinstated it. So there's now two versions of the video. I felt very satisfied that I won that situation. <laughs> Does that sound real? Does that sound fake? We're overdressed. Whatever. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I 
loved the video, I can't. It's my understanding that Cam also helped you decorate the scenes because you did everything during quarantine, right? Yeah. He did everything. I mean, he built the sets. He did my makeup. He helped come up with the styling. He came up with the concept for each of the spaces. He filmed all of it on my phone um, and, you know, had the tripods and a gimbal. Like, I mean, it was, it was three full, like 15 hour days of work. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we did it. I came to party. I can't. But why are we even here? I can't. I won't. I don't. So don't, bitch. Every time. I know. Did you just get with the program? Okay. <sighs> Blow in from the love jetty. Getting so I love that. Um, you've mentioned that your husband uh, Cameron is an artist. What type of art does he do? And how did you two meet? Oh, that's a good story. Um, so, okay. So Cam is an artist, um, creative director and real estate agent. And in terms of art, he, um, has a, has a, um, major in fine art. And so he knows, you know, painting, um, photography, and illustration, graphic design, um, and in general just has an incredible eye where if he can see something and understand how it was put together, he can recreate it. So he's even started like with using, doing woodworking at our house and building things like he, he has no limit to his creative ability. Um, so that's been amazing. And he does sell his art, um, CameronLeeArt.com. Um, he's done some photography series. Um, he did um, three different art photo collage series, which each had their own launch. Um, you can see all of that artwork. And then he's done some incredible paintings and visual art. So um, so that's, that's amazing to watch. And I loved how, especially with the music, we're able to join creative forces. And then my forces around like, making things happen and growing them. I think that's been a really fun new aspect to our relationship as well. Something that Cameron is excited about and something that has been so exciting for me. So um, that's been a really great journey. And an another, again, new thing during the pandemic that is just another way that this year has, has pushed in new directions in unexpected ways. Um, but yeah, he um, he and I met in San Francisco in the Castro um, at a bar called The Cafe. Um, and it, it's been a well-known bar in San Francisco for a long time. I'm pretty sure it's still around. Um, and the night that we went to, I think was their Friday night, Friday night party or Saturday. I don't remember anyways, but it was called Boy Bar. Um, and it was, I always say we found love in a hopeless place because it was not a place you would go to like meet your next husband or whatever it was the place <laughs> where you would go to you know meet somebody for the evening or whatever and um it was very much like a a you know pose look everyone over you know look as cool as you can type of place um but i i'm not like that or i try not to be like that so cam says that he came up to me because i was the only person in the bar that was smiling and Aww. laughing. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm sorry. 
I just love love stories. <laughs> I love meet cutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was a meet cute. We had a moment. Oh. Um, I I was at the bar and I was with my friends and I was single and I had been single for a while and just lo- like enjoying living my own life and being an independent woman. <laughs> um, and and so Cam came up to me and he was like, "Hey, um, I just wanted to let you know that you have a really nice smile." and hi and I think I was like flustered for a moment so I was like oh my god thank you and like take a sip of my drink and like look back away and then my friend like elbows me Chris my friend Chris and I'm so glad he did this because I don't know what would have happened but he was like Rigel that guy was really cute and I was like he was so I turned back around this was a couple drinks in um I turned back around and I looked at him and he was really handsome and he is really handsome and I was like so I actually reached out and pulled him in and kissed him oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> um so the rest is history but um we met and immediately started spending time together every day and whatever cosmic reasons and cosmic forces are in our lives. Like we were drawn together and really our souls have intertwined and we got married in 2015 in California. Um, we've been together, um, 10 years in April of next year. So it's, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so I love, I guess I just, with our story, you know, we found love in a hopeless place. It's about positivity and just like trying to draw the energy that you're looking for. And I guess Cam, if he were on the interview would say like his big moment was that he went out and spoke to someone that he wanted to talk to instead of waiting for someone to come up and talk to him. So that's how we, we tell this story together always. Um, but I think that's a really good message for anyone who's looking for a relationship is, you know, look for the energy that's your energy and put out the energy that you're looking for and then be bold and and talk to the people you want to talk to. Don't just wait for the first person that talks to you. So, yeah. Well, and I just, I'm thinking back to when we met, you had just bought the house and it was it's just so lovely to see your journey and hear more about your journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just like, Oh, I love love stories. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love the boldness of it. I love how bold he was trying to talk to you. I love how bold you were kissing him. It's just so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Okay. So we do want to kind of wrap it up a little bit and we do try to end on the same question that we ask a lot of our guests. So what does being queer in the South mean to you? And why is it important for us to talk about this? Yes, okay. Very big and important question. Um, Being queer in the South has been really unifying in new ways for me. Um, Again, because I think you take a lot less for granted than you do in places like maybe New York or California. Mm-hmm. I think it's a constant fight, um, you know, protection of trans people in the workplace or um, healthcare, and and then the fact that the South is the home to so many Black people and immigrant people, um, 
it's a it's a it's a world that the the struggle of people of color is at the forefront and it's something that we all have to focus on um including those of us who are white or mixed um like i'm mixed um so that is one of the biggest struggles like discrimination gerrymandering um all of these things are very alive and well in the south so um being queer in the south is all about intersectionality and um and requires a lot more fight i think than it does to live in other places mm. um but i think out of that comes some of the most amazing creativity i mean that's why you see atlanta producing some of the top music and visual art and um voices coming out of this generation you know out of pain and struggle comes amazing creativity so i think moving to the south we we've been around a lot more real down to earth people um who care about the community and care about our collective good in a really genuine way um and i just think there's a lot to be done um and i think it's just to be queer in the south is um really joining in that fight and um and coming together as this creative and vibrant community that we are so um yeah that's what it means to me love it love it so Rigel, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show and um, to keep up with Rigel Gemini, you can find his music on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and any other music platform. For social media, just search for Rigel Gemini on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on YouTube, I highly recommend checking out his amazing videos for Joie, I Can't, and Day Night. Thank you so much for being here today. I loved all of your answers and I can't wait to see a live performance when we can do that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would so be much. amazing. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. Um really enjoyed the conversation. I love what you're doing. So thanks. Talk, clap, lift, smack. Oh, my God. oh, I just can't with everybody. I mean, that is all for today, y'all. India and I would love it if you would follow us on social media. Subscribe to us to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review and we'll catch you on the next episode of Southern Queries. Some credits. Production. Your host, India and Aubrey. Audio mixing by Allison Holly. Story research, Aubrey Calvin. Editing, India Bastian. This is Southern Queries. Enjoy the clip of I Can't by Rachel Gemini. I'm the boss. I'm supersonic, so hypnotic. Boys, they wanna get this. Talk, talk, clap, clap, lip, lip, smack, smack. Get this money, honey. Richie, rich bitch.
The lighting in here is awful. Don't stop, get it, get it. Right now the room is spinning. Don't stop, make it pop. I want to see your body rock. Don't stop, do it, do it. I want to see you twerk into it. Don't stop, so iconic. Goodies make the boys jump on it. find out more information about this episode, visit homoground.com slash episode 265. There you'll find links to Southern Queries podcast and also information about Rigel Gemini, links to his website and ways that you can stay connected to him. You'll also find information about our sponsors. This episode was made possible by adammail.com. They're an independent gay sex toy store based in North Carolina. Please show them some support and use code GROUND to get 50% off one item and free shipping. Check out their website for more details. Visit homoground.com slash adammail. And this episode is just so fitting because Homoground got its start in North Carolina. So making all the connections here of connecting with a sex toy store in North Carolina and doing a crossover episode with a Southern queer podcast. So we love that there are other queer makers in the South creating things and sharing it with the world because that's how Homoground started. And 10 years later, look where we are. Right here on the internet. Ha! This episode was also made possible by our Patreon supporters. Dee and Susie, Nancy Garcia, Julie Ferlin, Aisling, Kellen Marie Goler, Maggie, S.W. Drop, Trumpet Walm, Kai Dorothy, Aaron White, Catherine Wappel, Honey de la Fleur, Melissa Rogers, Mer Joyce, Carlos Janice, Michael Casper, Jamie Rosenberg, Jilda Barnett, Jacob, Megan Hardgroder, Lars Brown, Victoria Ray, Vin Pitcher, They Frey, Mark Sanambrino, Les Hangout, Lynn Thomas, Joseph Jones, Marino Benedetto, Thomas Kula, Stephen Nance, Joseph Martin, Kim Bagleri, Chris Lane, Brian Shields, Queer Public, D. Lucenti, J. Ashley Amon, and Michael Bacon. Thank you so much for supporting Homoground, and if you'd like your name shouted out in an episode, head over to homoground.com slash Patreon, and all it takes is $5 a month to support Homoground and to get updates right into your inbox and to hear your name in every episode. Join our growing community and find out about community events that we have going on, like our monthly Homo Time event and our almost daily Focus Time event. It's been so great to see new and familiar faces at these events, and we'd love for you to join us. So head over to homoground.com for all information. You can find the schedule for focus time and the dates for all upcoming homo times there. If you got a question, the best way to contact us is tweet at us or send us a DM on Instagram. 
And yeah, if you're interested in like more behind the scenes kind of stuff, head over to our Patreon because I've been posting production updates over there. So you get a little bit of behind the scenes of how the podcast is made, what goes into making the podcast. And, you know, Homo Ground is more than just the podcast. We do these events. We have this virtual co-working space now and um, just doing a lot of other things. So to find out what's been going on um, and also, you know, just hear the word first. Patreon is where we're putting that information and check us out on Slack. We've been growing and we want to stay connected. So we have the Slack group now um, and it's like just a fun chat room style place where we can share links. Um, a lot of people have been posting like what their goals are for this year for some extra support and accountability. People have been posting recipes, memes. Um, there's all kinds of channels on there. So if you're like more of the chat room style type of person, Check out our Slack. Uh, we got a link somewhere. If you if that link doesn't work, <laughs> just shoot us a message. We'll try to get back to you. Uh, we're a small team, but we are trying to do this thing as independent podcasters. Um, like I said, our Patreon supporters and our sponsors help us make these episodes. You know, a lot of us uh, just volunteer our time and we're able to hire people on a very part-time basis, but we would love to provide, uh, financial opportunities for people and jobs for people, um, to work on homo grounds and to be compensated for your creativity and your artistic expression. So yeah, you know what it's like running a community project and then, just trying to figure out how to sustain it. Um, so if you got any tips for me, hit me up. Um, I'm Casper. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Um, if you're looking for more information on just podcasting and getting your work out there, um, I my day job is, you know, working with a lot of freelance audio producers. So we've got a lot of resources there too. If you're trying to get into podcasting um, or getting get into radio, um, hit me up and I can connect you with resources there. So yeah, you know, um, I think 2021 is a year that we should all focus more on our communities and more on mutual aid and helping our communities and and investing in our communities and being conscious of the things that we're supporting like financially and also with our attention, like what social media sites are we spending so much time on and, and what are those companies getting out of it? So, you know, this is going back to the theme and topic of querying capitalism that I've talked about a few times on here before, but we'll save that for another episode. And yeah, I hope you really enjoyed this uh, crossover episode like I said, support Southern Queries um, and queer creators in your region, area, town, community. Support queer creators everywhere. All right. Bye.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.